the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks and Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, with your co-hosts, Ed Lay and Thomas Molhern, this is Global Denmark. All right, we are back with a very special recap episode. I'm here as always with my co-host, Mr. Ed Lay. Ed, how was your holiday? Fantastic, actually. Uh, yeah, we had a great break in France and um, skied a little and played an awful lot of board games because it was mostly raining. But um, how was yours? It was very low-key. Stayed in uh, Copenhagen, but uh, definitely a lovely uh, holiday season and ready for 2020. Beautiful. So Our, what are we doing today? So we're going to do a little recap of the second half of 2019 going into 2020 and really kind of dive in into the lessons to Denmark and also the lessons for Denmark, what we've heard and also where we're moving to now that we're going into 2020. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited about where, where this is going and really picking out not just the lessons, but perhaps what lies underneath the, the lessons of, of what uh, Kjell Jensen and Mike Viking, Christian Bates and Pierre Molbeck, Burbeck, and you know, some people had some really, really powerful lessons that, that can be learned, but, but maybe what, what's underneath all of those things so that we can kind of share that with Denmark and take those lessons in for the rest of the world and, and share what is fantastic about Denmark outwards even more so. Absolutely. And I think that's going to be part of our journey moving forward now. It's really, what are the underlying core issues? What are the lessons that kind of correlate with these? And what are side effects? And how do we deal with these lessons systematically? So, you know, we've had tens of thousands of downloads now. And thank you guys, our audience. It's been uh, an incredible ride. You know, the podcast is only a little bit over a year old. We're, you know, approaching our 50th episode. And uh, we've been really um, so pleased with the outreach and what we've gotten here. It's amazing. Yeah, it's been it's been incredible, and uh, and in some way it's been kind of a, a life changing experience for for me as well. For, so, for me um, too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to learn about the the Danish culture from an outsider on the inside perspective, and then you know taking you know stock of that, it's been really amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it really has. Perfect. Well, Ed, I mean, maybe we'll start with lessons to Denmark, right? The, sure. the notion that Denmark, what can it learn, right? We've heard from the happiness guru himself, Mike Viking. And one of the things we've been looking at was this national branding of Denmark is the happiest country in the world, or at least top three, right? If Finland overtook them. And what we learned was that Denmark is actually not the happiest country in the world, or one of the happiest but one of the least unhappy countries in the world when we actually start going into the data that Mike and the Happiness Institute were looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's a really powerful thing, and I feel like it's, it's a marketing flip, obviously, but it's a shame Indeed. as well because I actually think that when people start to dig down into what it means to be the least unhappy country in the world has a huge amount of power because from a neuroscience perspective, our brain is designed to survive and while we're working on survival there is no thrive and you know the emotions and feelings that surround thrive are very different to those that are around survive and what least unhappy potentially means is that Denmark is taking care of those survival needs better than any other country in the world and what that really means is 
most people or many, many people, the largest number of people in one country have the opportunity to thrive and grow and really spread these lessons to the world because the country's got their back, as it were. Absolutely. And I think it really takes that, you know, simplified branding mechanism of the happiest country, right? And really gives it that added depth, like you said, from a neuroscience perspective, and also this utilitarian calculation that, look, we are going to try to minimize suffering and promote the highest amount of well-being for the greatest number. And, you know, Mike's lesson was, why don't we start looking at the UK, New Zealand, Scotland, and really from a, the highest levels of society, prioritize well-being, putting it at the core of public policy, but also funding it budgetarily and showing the commitment to well-being as a essential part of the society. Absolutely. I mean, I think if a government has a role, that role is to help everybody truly survive so that they can take care of thrive because you can't govern survive that is a direction that each person chooses for themselves they only work on what they're going to do to impact the world or impact the country or impact the people around them most when they feel safe and stable and secure and i think mike's right you know that looking after well-being is and putting it right at the center is that next step indeed we also spoke to our friend, the CEO of the Danish Design Society, Christian Basin, who talked really about the true value and power of the Danish design capability, which he thinks holds huge potential for the society in lots of sectors. What, what did you think about that lesson? It was a really fascinating process, and I'm really grateful to Christian for kind of opening, opening my eyes to it, because I look at design and the first thing my brain just goes, do I like that? Do I not like that? And uh, Christian was really able to to actually connect it back to values so that we could clearly see oh, these are the Danish values and how they're being put into that design and how design can bring people together and yeah. you know the way that we design our cities is fundamental to connection and climate change. Absolutely. And I think that, again, because of that least unhappiness right. combined with Danish design... It's such a, a powerful, powerful thing. Absolutely. And the ability to co-create across private public sectors and really work together is a strength of Denmark. And we experience. Indeed. <laughs> we are also speaking with a lot of what we call goodwill ambassadors, right, for the ambassador corps, Danes that are abroad. And one of those was Pia Moldegverbich. What did you hear from Pia in terms of her lesson to Denmark? Oh, yeah. Pia was really passionate about this idea of tapping into the Viking spirit. Um, I think she said something about not plundering and pillaging, <laughs> but using that, that kind of that's only for global talent to get out of the country and, you know, start dropping this trust bomb in, uh, in lots of, perhaps that's the wrong metaphor there, um, <laughs> start dropping this trust into other countries and, and spreading it around, you know. I don't think that I've had anyone that I've spoken to that hasn't gone, a Dane that has left the country for a period of time and come back is a very different person to the Dane that hasn't gone out there and done that because what they've done is they've gone, and now I recognise the experience of, of the rest of the world and I'm able to share this trust that we keep kind of guarded inside Denmark, but I'm really able to share that with the rest of the world and bring back the ideas and the people and... yeah. And that I think that's a real power for, for Denmark. And it, 
to, and then it's really a call to arms to reconnect into that Viking spirit of go out, have the courage to come out of your comfort zone, and in doing so, like you just said, share the message, tap into and connect with people in foreign cultures and reap the benefits of that. Absolutely. I'd love to see a policy that supported Danes in getting out of the country for one, two years. A systematic effort, absolutely, like they're doing in Ireland in terms of that inclusiveness of what it means to be a Dane and incentivizing it. Absolutely. We spoke with a uh, friend, Kelly Jensen. And like we've been talking about almost on every podcast, we really harnessed the power of trust and Kilt talked about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's something that, you know, right from the very beginning, it was like, this is coming up over and over and over and over again. So, you know, we, we pulled in these, these trust experts and, and, and Kelly in particular really opened up our eyes to the economics of, of trust. Indeed. As I said in the recent article I wrote, trust is the capital of Denmark and Denmark is the capital of trust and it's really looking at it the crucial importance of trust and how that actually translates into financials in terms of the the GDP of the country and I think that's amazing now Kelt did mention that it's crucial that Denmark avoids that small country syndrome that we've kind of explored with Antrash earlier in the year really have the humility to say we can still learn and grow and be open and outside to the world we hear that theme a lot Absolutely, that's along with trust. That's been one of those reoccurring themes. Is that we really need to, uh, you know, embrace the idea that that Denmark is small, right? But it has things that it can share. It doesn't mean that each individual needs to act small because the country is small. Indeed. How do we expand the circle of trust? Absolutely. Why don't we focus on one more lesson to Denmark? And we we spoke with the Danish ambassador to the United States, Ambassador uh, Lona Vispo. And she talked about that Denmark could be much better at scaling small ideas up to big businesses, like she's noticing in the States. I think that this is one that has reoccurred several times. Um, you know, we spoke to, to Rufus and, and he echoed something similar to that. And I'm not sure that's so much an idea um, or a lesson to Denmark, but it is an observation of going in Denmark, we don't scale quite as well as they do in America and I think that you've mentioned encountering many people working on ideas that already have solutions in other communes. Right, so it appears to be a symptomatic issue whereas if we look at the lesson we're looking at the lesson of collaboration and how ultimately that could lead to uh, better scaling and, be- and and sharing of best practices mm-hmm. on how, how to achieve that. I think if, if small country syndrome has a symptom, it is hiding my idea and hoarding it to myself because this is going to be my piece of gold mm-hmm. rather than going, I've got this idea. Who doesn't have this idea and could benefit from it? And then reaching out to. And, and that's that's how you build the Tower of Babel, right? And, here, and right? you know, we see this all the time in our own companies in the public, private, and educational sector this silo thinking and the small country syndrome on a local scale that needs to go away. Absolutely. In terms of lessons uh, from Denmark, what Denmark is really excelling at, we've hinted at it here too, but you know, Mike said Denmark and the Nordic welfare model, they're really great at creating this high quality of life, also in terms of infrastructure. We're talking about biking and these things. So we really talked about how the infrastructure and design of Denmark, they're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. And 
it's kind of like that that startup mentality of a country is that a country like America or even the UK is so big and unwieldy and heavy on policy that they can't just go tomorrow we will start putting bike lanes everywhere right it takes a really long time to spread to the whole country but but Denmark is Agile, I think, is, uh, is a way to look at it. And, and they can go, well, let's try this, and let's try this, and let's try And then go, we can conduct small experiments, and if those small experiments prove fruitful, they can explode them to the whole country really, really fast and just be a model for the rest of the world of how to move fast and what actually works because they can experiment. Absolutely. And, you know, I think trust is the glue that, you know, allows for that agility too because you know that multiple stakeholders are trusting each other and cutting down on the bureaucracy and speeding up that process. You know, one last lesson from Denmark, we, uh, we heard from, uh, again, the ambassador, Vispor, that the Danish model of having a liberal market economy and a developed welfare model to ensure that no one is left behind is really something that the, the world is looking at, to have both the liberal market economy and the welfare system. And I thought that was really interesting because we hear a lot of the times in this kind of multipolar state that we find ourselves in that Denmark is almost referred to as a, a communist or the Nordics a model, right, with the high taxes. But what we see here is actually that's factually incorrect and that you can have both have a liberal market economy and a hugely successful welfare state. Absolutely. And and I'd love to see I'd love to see Denmark lean into that further. Because when you ask people about Denmark, the words that come back aren't Oh, they've got high taxes and a mermaid, and, <laughs> that is... and, and it's very clean, and I, I, and they're the happiest country in the right. world, right? And I think that some of those things, they're all fantastic, right? But um, oh, apart from the mermaid, um, <laughs> could be better. <laughs> it could be better. Larger, I think. That yeah, America yeah, would have a larger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, perhaps that's Every, why she's not. Everything's happy. bigger. Yeah. But the message that goes out to the world from Denmark isn't the one that it could be to have even more eyes looking for those lessons and creating even more collaborations. We're letting marketing get in the way. Indeed. Well, I mean, it's been a fantastic second half of 2019. We've had just an amazing journey with the podcast in general. Like we said, we've had tens of thousands of downloads. And thank you all that approach Ed and I um, and write messages of support. Uh, it means a lot. And uh, we're going to Keep trying to create exciting content, have wonderful conversations with CEOs, ambassadors, and key stakeholders here. I have a request before we oh. move into the closing Let's do that. that is, it really, really means so much to Thomas and I when we get ratings and reviews, and it makes such a difference to our position on the, the search engines, and, and, and it is really important that, that we get those reviews because it allows us to keep doing the thing that we're doing because it does all hinge upon the numbers and the communication and the spread so going over to uh, iTunes in particular and doing a rating and review would make such uh, a huge difference to us and we'd appreciate anyone who could spare the, the five minutes it would take to do that. Indeed. To conclude we are going to be exploring in addition to our one-on-one interviews I'm really looking forward to it I don't want to give away too much at this stage but there's some really exciting stuff to come. Indeed. Well, that's it for now, and until next time, see you on the GDP.